Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So after our wee break last week, we come back to our sermon series looking at invitation. You might remember that I said that invitation is a big theme in the Scriptures. We're called to be a people who invite others to get to know Jesus and to help them follow Him. You might remember those amazing stats that, that I, I said a few weeks ago where there's this question that's been posed, which is, why do people start attending church? And we saw that 2% of people came because they'd seen some form of advertising or a poster, something online. 6% said that it was because the minister had invited them along. Another 6% said that it was that they'd there'd been some kind of organized event or something that they'd been invited to. But the 86% of people said that they had started attending the church because they were invited by a friend or a family member. And that shouldn't be a massive surprise to us. Um, you know, friends and family know each other. They trust one another. And that trust might not necessarily come across in a, in a poster or or an online thing, it might do. Um, it, it might not come across from a minister either. But certainly, it's much easier to respond to an invitation if you know the person who is inviting you. And that's why it's important that we get rid of any barriers that might be in the way. And these, the two weeks, the two sermons that we've looked at previously are that Jesus invites the ordinary, as we saw him speaking, and you know, we call it the calling of the first disciples, and I like to call it the invitation to the first disciples. And then we looked at the Samaritan woman, uh, the outsider. And I think as well, we might see ourselves as ordinary. Jesus sees us as capable of doing extraordinary things. That we can seek His strength and encouragement on who to invite and to when and to what that they might become part of God's family. And equally, we see that Jesus goes to the margins to invite the, the outsider in. As I say, we looked at that specific encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. But Jesus not only invited the outsider, He challenges the very need to even have that term, outsider, that it has no place in the kingdom of God. We're called to act like Jesus, not the disciples in that passage of the Samaritan woman, who in an instant the disciples could have ruined the work that Jesus had done with her as they sat at the well. And this week we are going to look at something that's only slightly different. But before we move on, I want us to play a little game. And we played this little game last night in the manse. 
I'm going to say a number of names. And I want you to think. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud, but I'm going to ask you to think about what your immediate reaction is. So the first name is David Attenborough. When you hear the name David Attenborough, and when I hear that name and I picture him in my head, and I see a wise man with a nice velvety voice as he tells us all these amazing things about the animals and the planet. You might be like me, you might think the same with David Attenborough, you might not. And I think, what a wonderful man. What if I was to say, Piers Morgan? And I got a different reaction. I wonder what your first thought is when you hear Piers Morgan, as you think about him opening his mouth or writing something in the newspaper, first thing that comes into his head probably. A man who gives a lot of opinion. What about Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon? Or our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson? Do we always follow that biblical model of honoring those who are positioned in places of leadership? Or how about Greta Thunberg? Greta Thunberg, for someone so young, she certainly managed to polarize a lot of thinking in the media and in different governments, social media. At just 18 years old, she's managed to inspire so many people to think and, and to act on climate change. Not everyone is a fan, though. And the thing is, we played this little game for a reason, a couple of reasons. You see, each of us will realize that there are people in life who just rub us up the wrong way. There are people that we are naturally, we naturally gravitate to and we get along with, but there are other people who just rub us up the wrong way. Maybe we don't agree with their position whether that's a, a politician or a celebrity or someone in our own lives. We might not agree with their outlook on life, their thoughts, their politics, their philosophy. They just cause us to have this feeling inside. And the thing is, people can either make us feel great or they can make us feel really angry, really angry. And it's in those particular times that we very rarely show off the best versions of ourselves when we are filled with that rage and that anger. We very rarely show the best side of ourselves. We might get sarcastic. We might look to, to fight back. 
And it would appear that in the, the spheres of, of politics and, and religion, we're at most risk of exhibiting these behaviors that are completely unchristlike. I actually remember someone saying to me, you should never, ever talk about politics or religion, or it will just end up in an argument. That's probably true. If we think about the arguments that we've had over politics or religion. However, I think it's more than that. It's more than just these two topics being, you know, difficult things to talk about. I think the problem is that our world has forgotten how to disagree with one another and do it healthily. That it's okay to, to have different opinions or thoughts on a particular thing. But unfortunately, the problem with our world, and even more so over these last few years, and I think social media has its role to play within it, where the most spoken about views are the ones that are at the extremes. We tend to forget about this vast middle ground that exists, but we have these polarizing views, and you must align with one side or the other. And if you don't agree with this, then you're clearly one of those. That's not true. <laughs> it's far more nuanced than that. We forgot about that much bigger middle ground, and we failed to focus on the things that actually unite us. We're in a world that is incredibly divided. We need to realize that not all people are evil. There are evil people, but not everyone is evil. And certainly not just because they think differently to you. And in the same way, not everyone is wonderful either. Each one of us is a flawed human being. And that's why every single person on the planet needs to have that encounter with Jesus and receive that invitation to be transformed. The thing is, as we go through our lives, we might come up against people that make us feel really angry. And we get to that point where we actually despise them. And that's not a healthy place to be at all where we have this unhealthy, these unhealthy thoughts about other people. And it might be politicians, might be celebrities, it might be activists, people that we've never even met. And we just hold these strong feelings of anger and we despise them. But it may well be people that are in, our, in and around our lives that we have these feelings about. It might be family members, you know, one-time friends that we've fallen out with. And unfortunately, it might even be people in churches, people that were or are in our church family. As we come to our reading this morning, our main character, Zacchaeus, he's almost a combination of the two. There would have been people in that crowd who knew exactly who Zacchaeus was, knew him on a personal level. We read that he is a tax collector for Rome. But not only that, he would actually rip off his own people while doing it. Just keep a little bit for himself. Kind of perk of the job, 
so to speak. And people were very aware of Zacchaeus, and they did not like him at all. They despised him. There would also have been people in that crowd that didn't know Zacchaeus, but had certainly heard of him. Well, he's that tax collector that steals things from us. Look at him, he's over there, he's really wealthy and, and, and doing really well, but we're over here really struggling, really struggling. Because you see, not unlike today, the people in that crowd didn't appreciate someone fiddling money, taking advantage of those less fortunate. We can almost get our heads around why the people despise Zacchaeus. And he's just so desperate to see Jesus. Wondering what all this fuss is about. But you can bet your last pound that nobody in that crowd was, was going to let him through. There's going to be no Moses through the Red Sea moment through this crowd for Zacchaeus. So he finds himself having to go and climb a tree. It says here that he climbs a sycamore tree. That he might catch Jesus as he's passing. He'll be able to have this bird's eye view of what's going on. And it's here that we see something really interesting happening. You see, over the last two sermons, we've looked at how Jesus offers an invitation to come and follow him. He says, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people to the disciples. He invites the Samaritan woman to come and follow him. However, this week we see something very different. It's a different kind of invitation. Because Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Get ready. Come down from that tree. We're going to your home. I'm coming to yours for dinner. So rather than being, come and follow me, it's I am coming to you. But then there's a very human response in verse 7. It's understandable, but very wrong. Because we read, all who saw it began to grumble and said he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. And rather than be amazed again, at Jesus' new way of living, a new way of interacting with people. The crowd are livid, completely overlooking their own faults and drawing in on the sin of Zacchaeus. As terrible as he had been, it was not the time to point the finger at him. Use that old phrase, you know, I might be bad, but I'm not as bad as him. Completely forgetting. And the thing is, this is a reminder to us that Jesus wants to be involved in everyone's lives, not just the people who are part of our gang. In fact, even the people that we think should be included. 
He even wants to include those who we think should be excluded because of their behavior or their lifestyles. I'm reminded of that wonderful painting by the artist Holman Hunt. And it has Jesus knocking on a door with no handle. It's based on Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And we can read there, I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. This revelation is clear. No one is beyond the reach or the love of God. And Jesus is just waiting for the opportunity just to meet with them. He's knocking, hoping that the person on the other side of the door will hear the knock and open the door. That home and hunt painting where there is no doorknob on the side that Jesus is knocking, only the person on the other side can open that door and let him in. He'll never force himself. But Jesus is just waiting inviting us and others to have that opportunity of transformation through repenting of any wrongs that we've done. Everyone, not just a group of people, everyone. Jesus is modeling how we should interact with others and especially so those who we struggle with. And this is something that we struggle with because we just think there should be some things that are unforgivable, there should be no way that certain people should receive this forgiveness. But that is what is so amazing about this abundant grace of God. It is completely undeserved. But God offers it to us anyway. In the person and sacrifice of Jesus. It's our choice on what we do with it whether we choose to accept this, whether we choose to follow Jesus, whether we allow ourselves to be transformed. So if there's nothing that should act as a barrier to people meeting with Jesus, then who are we to hold grudges and reject people from being invited into this? That they might hear that knock at the door, that opportunity for transformation. It not only damages them, but us too, as we carry that around with us. Because we're able to read what this amazing transformation looks like in verse 8. It says here, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. A complete transformation for Zacchaeus. This realization of all the things that he's been doing have been wrong. All because he's had this opportunity to hear the knock at the door despite the actions of the crowd. Zacchaeus realizes that all the possessions that he has once belonged to someone. 
But he'd taken it from them. He'd fallen into this pattern of behavior that was probably deemed okay for a man in his position. He'd not only made other people poor, but he'd also been damaging his own soul that he needed to repent and be forgiven. And he's transformed, convicted of these things that he's been doing, that they've been wrong. But Jesus doesn't say to him, Zacchaeus, you must pay all of that back. You might need to do more, and then you can receive the forgiveness. He says, today, salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. But the problem is too often we find ourselves more like those in the crowd. Rather than rejoicing that another person has entered into the family of God, we might begin to mutter like they do, wondering why Jesus would want to associate with people like them. And unfortunately, there have been times in history and to this present day where the church even gets to that point where we look to exclude people. And that's born out of what I was saying earlier, that we sometimes struggle to get our head around the idea of God's grace. This free gift that despite what we have done in the past, God continues to offer his love to us in Jesus. We almost feel like we should have to do something or we have to be a particular way, act or dress in a particular way. But God loves us as we are. Jesus meets us where we are. But it's because of that love that they don't want to leave us where they find us. They want us to be transformed that we would experience more of God's love and purpose for our lives each and every day, that we wouldn't be stuck in a place, but that we would go on this journey with Jesus. Jesus knocks on the door, just waiting for the person to open it. Now, whether this morning is the first opportunity for you to open this door, or whether you opened it a while ago, Jesus shows us that all people are God's children. Whether we agree or disagree with them, whether we naturally get along with someone or not, that no one is perfect and every single person needs that relationship with God. We are called not to place barriers in the way by despising people, the way that the crowd despised Zacchaeus. And that doesn't legitimize what Zacchaeus was doing, because what he was doing was wrong. Far from it. At no point does Jesus say, what you're doing is okay, Zacchaeus, and now you're forgiven. But it's in that encounter that Zacchaeus is convicted. He's, he's aware of the things that what he was doing were wrong. That he needed to change not to receive anything, but that he would be the best version of himself. To be transformed into what God deserves from each and every one of us. 
We're aware that there are so many people in our world, so many people in the world, waiting to hear that knock at the door from Jesus, that they might allow Jesus to be invited in to come and eat with them. He wants to be in everyone's life. Jesus doesn't want to be an outsider in anyone's life. The thing is, we might well be the the ones that God uses to get people to that place where they're able to hear that knock at the door. It requires us to be the best versions of ourselves to the world. That we might learn from the way that Jesus interacts with people. That we would be kind to people, loving to them, whether we agree or we disagree with them. And even more so when we disagree with them. That we would go to all people the way that Jesus does. He went to the Samaritan woman and he goes to Zacchaeus. Very different to the way that he goes to the crowd. The thing is, despite how we feel about a particular person or the way that they conduct themselves, we need to recognize them as being children of God, whether they know it yet or not. Might we give that world a better version of ourselves where we don't act sarcastically, where we don't allow our anger and our, our feelings of despising someone get in the way that we might lash out at them. That we would become that better witness to the world of God's amazing love for all. That as Jesus closes out with in verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. He doesn't say that he came to save the perfect, the pristine, the group that have got it all together, but the lost. That includes those who the world despises. They too need to hear the knock at the door just as much as anyone else does. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you knocked on that door. And we thank you that you offer to come to be amongst us be part of our lives. And Lord, we are sorry for the times where we've not appreciated what you've given to us. Those times that we've failed to extend the invitation to others. Those who we disagree with, those who rub us up the wrong way. Lord, for all those times we've failed to show your love to others. We seek your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, might you convict us and transform us in the way that Zacchaeus was transformed. That we might make the changes that need to be made in order for us to become better witnesses to God's love found in Jesus. That the world might see your love reflected in our lives, in our actions, and in our words. All this we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.